Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Z, and today I am back with another episode of the Playing It Safe podcast. Thank you so much to all of you for listening. I hope you're having a good week, and I also hope that you're making time to reflect on how you are living your life. I know it sounds super serious, but seriously, there is so much stuff happening every single day. There is so much stuff that we have to do in our lives, and there is a difference when we pause and reflect on how we're living our lives. Think about it. Are you showing up to the people you care about as you want to show up to them? How are you showing up to your friends? Are you the friend you want to be? And if you want to reflect on how you're living your life, check if there is an alignment between your values and your actions. Are your values consistent with your actions? Are you doing, saying, and taking action based on what matters to you? Are the things that you are doing and saying consistent with how you want to live your life and who you want to be? So I will highly, highly recommend that this week you make some time to reflect on how you're living your life. Now, let me shift gears and tell you about today's episode. In today's episode, I interview Debbie Sorensen. She's a clinical psychologist in private practice in Denver, Colorado. She specializes in acceptance and commitment therapy. She is the co-host of the podcast Psychologist of the Clock, and she's also the co-author of the book Act Daily Journal, which I highly, highly recommend. Let me tell you a little bit about this book, The Act Daily Journal. In this book, you will find a lot of exercises to practice psychological flexibility, And by psychological flexibility, I am referring to your capacity to navigate all those uncomfortable experiences we all have when dealing with unknowing thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, pictures, and do what matters in a given moment. So if you want to get better at handling all those uncomfortable moments of stuckness we all go through, you may want to take a look at the ACT Daily Journal. Because it's not just a workbook, it's also a program that teaches you skills that you can put into action and reflect on every single week. So the focus of this conversation is on micro skills that you can put into action when you need to have a courageous conversation with others about your needs, about something that is important to you, about a situation that has been upsetting to you. 
I hope this conversation is helpful and I also hope that you have courageous conversations when you need them. Debbie, thank you so much for making the time to chat with me today. I'm super excited to have you in the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Really appreciate you inviting me to come on. It's a pleasure. It's a treat. As I was saying moments ago, I remember one of the interviews you did with Steve Hayes when he published the book, A Liberated Mind. And I was really touched by how you ask him questions about the process of writing, the process of putting his story out there. So over the years, I have been a big fan of the work you guys are doing. Yes, thank you. I remember that because Diana Hill, my co-host, and I both interviewed Steve Hayes around the same time. He's been on a few times, and um, that was a great honor to invite him to have him on. And so thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was sweet of him, but you also did a beautiful job unpacking a little bit what is hard to talk about. Because this is the first time having you in the podcast, and I hope to have you back hundreds of times again. (laughs) Could you please share with the audience, what are you doing these days? Where are you located? What's your work focus on? Yes, I'm a psychologist. I'm located in Denver, Colorado, and I, I have a main job and then several, you know, side hustle jobs. I do a lot of different things. So one of the things, so I have a private practice and I, I have a therapy practice. So that's my main job is that I see clients for using acceptance and commitment therapy and other behavioral approaches to work with a wide range of problems and concerns and issues. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a podcast, Psychologists Off the Clock, which you have been on. So, um, and I've been doing that for close to five years now, and that's been a lot of fun. And yeah, I have a few different, you know, smaller things I'm doing as well. And then we, we um, Diana and I also published a book, it just came out a few months ago, Act Daily Journal, which is a kind of a day-to-day journal um, using the processes from acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm -hmm. Super cool. I can see you have a lot of passion projects, a lot of passion projects. And by the way, congratulations on the publication of your journal. I have a chance to look at it. And I actually did some of the exercises you had from maybe week two or week three on the fusion. Uh, Super cool. So I'm hoping to ask you more about it today. Is that okay? Absolutely. Sure. So, you know, I was thinking about our conversation today. And again, I was really touched by how you asked these questions to Steve about the process of writing, the process of coming out with his own story when writing The Liberated Mind. And one of the things that I think will be a good starting point for us is to talk about how hundreds of times in life, all of us, we are scared of having tough conversations hard conversations, courageous conversations. I think one of the ways that we play it safe, and I have seen this hundreds of times with my clients when they're struggling with any form of anxiety or fear-based reaction. And I also, I have seen in my own life, we play it safe by minimizing and discounting what is important to us. We play it safe by going along with all the social rules of how we're supposed to behave. And we really start living small. 
And I think because we play it safe in that way, the outcome of that is that we avoid having tough conversations or courageous conversations. So I'm wondering in your experience, how do you work with that? If that's something you have witnessed in your clients or perhaps in your personal life, what happens when a person gets stuck with this fear of having a courageous conversation? Yes. Well, I, I think there's a lot to that. And that's a great question. I think it's important to acknowledge what you're talking about here, which is that we all have a history around communication and, mm-hmm. and what's okay to say, what not, what's not okay to say. Part of it is cultural, you know, and, and for example, I think um, j- this is just an example. There are many, many different flavors of this. But I think, for example, as a woman, I I think sometimes we're taught to be kind, be polite, not to speak up, right? So we might, we might be afraid to speak up for our own needs. Sometimes we might be afraid to be too aggressive or something like that. I I think that um, often too, something I've seen in my own life and in, in my clients' lives is that they might come from a family that has a particular communication style. So some Mm -hmm. families might be very loud and talkative and even argumentative or, um, you know, sort of aggressive in their communication style. Other families might be very passive where there's a lot of hard things that they feel like they can't talk about. It's too uncomfortable. They might avoid conflict. People might, you know, just learn that pattern over time. And so I think sometimes People don't, it's very difficult to speak up for their own needs or to talk about a problem with someone because we don't know how to, but it's also, it's scary. You know, it's, I think a lot of anxiety can show up if we're anticipating a conversation with someone and we think, well, that's going to be really uncomfortable. I might have to speak up for myself. I might have to say something. I might, there might be a conflict. And so, yeah, I think sometimes it's also the case that you know, relationships are important to most of us. I think we are, you know, we're social animals. We're very much wired to be attuned to relationships. And so I think part of the reason why it can trip us up and we might get afraid to have a conversation is because we care a great deal. Yeah. We want the relationship to be good. And so I think sometimes conflict is hard because because we worry that, well, what if I damage the relationship? What if I say the wrong thing and I mess this up? Mm-hmm. Cost mm-hmm. can be very high if, if you know, if we if we care about a relationship, we might be worried about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're describing something that is important to remember that we come with a history and we have learned these ways of relating to our needs and related to conflict based on that history and our experiences. And it really can be very tricky. Um, If it's okay, um, let me share a situation that I had encountered in different types of relationships. And I would love your input in terms of how you will address that or, or work with that. Okay. Um, so uh, let's see how we do with this, right? It's an experiment okay. for both of us. <laughs> you know, I think relationships are organic entities. They're never static. They are evolving, morphing and shaping and we're shaping with the other person, right? And whether that's a relationship with a friend, with colleagues, with mentors, with romantic partners, there's a lot of evolving there. I think 
I know in my life there have been times in which exactly as you say, I was scared of hurting the other person. I was scared of hurting the relationship. I was scared of triggering feelings on the other person that, that, that may be hard to have. And in moments like that, one of the responses has been sometimes to overthink. I start thinking, what if this goes in this way or in this other way? And sometimes I may have avoid having the conversation. If you were next to me and you hear me playing with potential scenarios about things going wrong in the conversation, let's say that it's a friendship and my friend may have made a comment that was hurtful and I'm hesitant about talking and giving that feedback that when I hear those words that was hurtful. What would you tell me? How would you address that for people listening into the audience so they can get a sense of what to do when they found themselves doubting if they, if they should address that situation or not? I think that that happens a lot. So what you're saying is that, that there's an interaction of some kind and you just really overthink it. So you doubt yourself, you dwell on it, your mind just won't let it go. Mm-hmm. And you get into that place of your mind just back and forth about it. The first thing I would say to you if I was next to you is that is the human mind. That's what it does when there's something that's important to us and we're not sure about it. Again, I think as humans, relationships tend to be very important to us. So that's a place where we can really get stuck, um, just hooked by thoughts like that. And we can get really stuck in that overthinking place. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I would say to you is to just recognize that that's what's going on and that it's okay. And I think probably people who have, who are familiar with your work might be familiar with this concept of cognitive diffusion, which is about just being aware of your thoughts, seeing them for what they are, and to sometimes just take a little bit of a step back from, from that overthinking place, get a little bit of perspective taking. So you might just say, okay, my mind is overthinking this. I see what's happening here. I'm going to just kind of almost come to a place of acceptance and awareness around those thoughts. Just, this is your mind doing its thing. Mm -hmm. And to be aware if those thoughts are getting in the way of doing the most effective thing in this situation. So for instance, if you're having, you're expecting to have a conversation tomorrow and it's a hard one and you're, you know, you can't stop thinking about it and your mind is telling you, maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you're going to mess it up. Maybe it's going to cause a big, huge problem. Your mind might might really want you to avoid it, right? Or, mm-hmm. or it might tell you some other helpful advice like, well, they're wrong and you're right and you should just get in there and, you know, tell them why they're wrong or something. And so I would just say like, again, to, to, to just be really clear on what is it that you're doing here? What are the values behind this? And, and then make a decision more from that place. So don't let your mind boss you around too much. Um, but also be really compassionate toward yourself that this is, this is a hard thing. And that's your mind is trying to make sense of it. Your mind is trying to help you. Yeah. 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 That's a beautiful response. So if I can recap a little bit. So one of the first things you will tell me if you're next to me will be just let's acknowledge, recognize that that's what the mind does. The mind will go into blah, 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 chop, chop, chop. Mm-hmm. Then See if we can step back a little bit from that, my noise. I know it may sound very simplistic when I say this, but for me, the stepping back comes with taking a deep, deep breath. 
just taking a deep, deep breath, maybe rolling my shoulders back and just trying to watch what the mind is doing. And then really looking at, as you were saying, what's important, right? What's really important for me in this conversation I want to have. Now, if I can um, ask a follow-up question about that, one of the things that may happen sometimes in relationships is that there is a conflict between my personal values and the interpersonal values. Let's say that my value is is to be real with myself, to be authentic. And that means that I want to be able to tell people what I think, how I think, and how I feel. But then the interpersonal value, maybe I want to grow in the relationship. And then what if I say what I really think may hurt the growth of the relationship? Perhaps the frame is not too much the conflict with interpersonal or personal values, but I think sometimes what I hear, and, and I think I, I definitely relate to that, is that we have to choose between the relationship growing and going along with our personal values at times. Perhaps that dichotomy is a false dichotomy. Perhaps it's not a valid frame. But I think sometimes our hesitation also comes from that place. If I am honest and I go along with my value, could that help a relationship? Yeah. Um, right. So well, how would you respond to that? I mean, I think that's tough. And, and I think that there are times when that happens where you have to make a decision and there's multiple competing factors going on in the moment. And that, that honesty piece is a very good example of that because I, I value honesty. I think that's really important. It builds trust. I want to be authentic and genuine. So honesty is important to me. And there are times when being 100% Here's exactly what I think about this, you know, 100% honest to the point where you say everything you think or feel isn't helpful in this situation. And so I think there's a flexibility that can happen there. You could think to yourself, I do still value honesty. I'm not lying. Mm -hmm. And I'm choosing, I might say this, I might not say this because the situation, it it depends so much on the situation. Mm -hmm. So you know, I think you can still have that value and just say at this moment, it's not helpful for me to really emphasize that particular value in this situation. Yeah. You don't need to, you know, completely go against your values. You know, again, if my value is honesty, I may say, I'm not going to (laughs) lie yet. I might also choose not to say something because if I say something, this is not a good time. It's going to be damaging to this person, to this friendship. So, you know, the value of honesty doesn't mean you have to be you have to say every single thing that you think and feel at all times, no matter what, that's a little extreme. That's a little rigid, but instead like, you know, I'm going to maintain the stance of honesty and then choose what I do and don't say every time. Cause I think that's right. We have to, you know, I sometimes say to my clients, this, this old classic saying, we have to pick our battles, right? We have to choose yeah. assertive communication is a wonderful skill. And it's a skill I work on for myself and my client. I help my clients work on assertive communi- communication, but there are times when, it's more helpful to let certain things go. Mm-hmm. You, know, you mm-hmm. have to have a big conversation about every single thing that happens. You know, that can be, that, that's a lot sometimes. So we do have to make choices about what and when we say to navigate the situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love your response. 
because I think many times our mind is going to look at things as in opposition. It's either this or that. Do I say the whole thing or I'm betraying myself? But I think we have to remember that holding a value, like being honest, has many ways, many variations of actions related to that value. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's important to remember because that will help us to handle that hesitancy, that doubt. And now talking about assertive communication, what would you say are the core skills that you think that will help us to to live a life of fulfillment and not a life in where we're playing safe and minimizing what's important to us? When it comes to sort of communication, I think that sometimes, again, there's courage involved. And sometimes, mm. so the skill I think about when I think about assertive communication is being able to, to find a place where we can have our own needs, we can speak out about our own needs and still maintain the relationship. So one of the skills that I think is really important is to be direct and to to be specific Mm -hmm. and to talk. So for instance, if if we're setting a boundary, if we're expressing a need, or if we're talking about something that someone did that had an impact on us, is to just speak directly, Mm -hmm. specifically and to the point about that specific thing in a kind and open way. Mm-hmm. So this is easier said than done, of course, right? But I think that that it's kind of, instead of doing it in an aggressive way where a person might get defensive or shut down, you know, say you are such a blah, 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 you know, making a very kind of critical statement. It's more like when this happened, I felt this way, you know, mm-hmm. in the future, could you please? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very specific and direct, mm-hmm. but it's an attack, right? It's not like a, a criticism or an attack that's going to make the person feel, you know, criticized or defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also not too passive where you just say nothing and you don't speak up for yourself. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's kind of a bunch of skills all in one, but it's really about just expressing yourself directly and being very specific about the issue that's at hand. Yeah. And I think when you do that, it just, it helps you have better relationships and maintain your self-respect mm-hmm. as you're speaking up for your own needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's a very powerful tip, right? So just to recap for people listening, I think sometimes I break it down into, in this situation, I felt this, I thought about this, and this is my request. Without any name calling or without dwelling into, in 2001, you did this. In 1995, I hear this, right? I think just as specific and direct as you're saying. Um, Another, uh, I'm just curious here, sometimes saying no. That's another, another tough skill, especially when you care deeply about things. But it's another skill that we have to learn so we can have fulfilling lives. How would you address that? What would you tell people listening to this interview that they struggle saying no to things? Well, I struggle with that too. I think it's very, oh, you do too. Yes, we both do. <laughs> yes, we both do. <laughs> it's hard because, and I think that, that, so that's the first thing is just validate that. That for many of us, it's a hard thing to do because we don't want to disappoint people. Sometimes it's something, if we had infinite time and resources, we would love to do this thing, but we don't. So I think 
being clear again on your values, I think that sometimes um, the tendency might be to say yes to everything, but there's a consequence to that. So for instance, if I say yes to this, it's going to add stress to my life. It's going to mean I'm pulled too thin. It's something I don't really and truly want to do. So I think being aware that there's pros and cons of saying yes and no, but just being really clear on the why, like, why do you want to say no? Is there a a reason why this isn't going to work for you? It just helps you stay firm in the no, right? And then I think I mean, I think it's scary sometimes to say no, like there's some anxiety about that because I think you worry, well, if I say no, maybe I'll lose the opportunity. I'll never get the chance again. Maybe this person will be mad at me. And so I think a big part of it is just, if it's important to you to say no to this thing, if it's a boundary you need to set for yourself is to just stay really firm and like, yes, this is hard and it's scary and it's important to me that I Mm -hmm. do it. And it's mm-hmm. a skill. I think, actually, I've gotten a little better at it recently over the years. I'm, I'm just practicing it more. I got to the point where I was like, I have to get better at this. And I think that if you, you know, it's like a lot of things that, that we might be afraid of. The more you do it over time, you build that skill and it gets easier. Well, maybe not always. Like, it's still hard, but like, you can practice it and get better at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love what you're saying. I think we, we have to practice and learn to find what works for us in a yeah. given moment, given where we are in life. And you can say no in a kind way. You know, you can say no in a way, you know, just be genuine. Like, oh, I would really, you know, I'm so sorry to help you out. This is, you know, my relationship with you is really important to me. Or, or if I had more time, I would love to, but I really, I just can't do that. And I think, you know, you don't have to be rude about it or anything like that Mm -hmm. um so saying no in a kind way usually Mm -hmm. is the way to go say no in a kind way i love that addition right we don't have to be tough we don't have to be tough (laughs) so debbie you mentioned that in the last couple of years you have been practicing how to say no so if someone would like to practice if someone listening this interview and they are struggling saying no and they want to start practicing what would you recommend them to start doing I think that you can start saying no in small ways. Maybe mm-hmm. start small sometimes is good. You're, you're taking a step in that, that direction. So find, you know, things. So it sort of, I guess it depends on what you're saying no to, but yeah. find, you know, maybe say no to a social gathering you don't really want to do or an extra project at work or something small. Mm-hmm. And, you know, use a little bit of courage in the sense that, you know, it's, it's the act idea of of willingness, right? Use a little bit of courage in the sense that it might be really hard in the beginning. You might feel very, you know, anxious or worried about saying no. Um, and so there's a practice of, of just saying it, even if there's a lot of emotion that arises and you can mm-hmm. still do it and just keep practicing, building that muscle over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love the idea of starting with this small moments right like if someone is offering you a candy or you're at dinner and someone offers you a dessert right those are another opportunity to say like no thank you trying to sell you something and you could say no to that you know that's hard for me sometimes I (laughs) really hard one yes Yes. (laughs) we're doing window shopping especially (laughs) yeah yes Yes. You can practice by going to the car sales lot and practice saying no to the car dealership, the that, car sales person. That's yes. actually a great, great exercise to do. If I can ask a little bit more, one of the things that 
that I encountered the last couple of months, especially because of what we all went through globally with COVID, is that our lives were restricted. And then as COVID unfolds, there is a lot of things that are, you know, piling up. And I have that joke that 2021 for me is catching up with 2020, right? Because many things are behind. But in that process of catching up, the only way I could actually do it is by saying no to things that I deeply cared about. And that was really hard. For example, I got emails to maybe either have interviews or the workshops, which I love to pieces because it's a value of mine to share actor skills. But it wasn't doable. It was humanly impossible to make it happen because I will be, you know, stretching too thin and the day has certain amount of hours. So what it was a value to very, it was very, very hard to say no, thank you so much for thinking of me, but I cannot do it right now. 2022, I will pick it up. But when I say no, there was also these feelings that came, the fear of disappointing others the fear of missing opportunities. So there is all those feelings that came when saying no to something that is important. Um, And I think sometimes when we say no to things that matter to us, there is this sense of disconnection a little bit. And I find it important to learn to make room for that. Knowing that that still is a values-based move. Yeah. I mean, I, there's loss, there's a loss in that. And I think that's another piece to make room for when you say no to something that is important to you, there's a loss, a sense of grief that has to happen. It's not necessarily as big of a grief as if you lose a person or something like that, but it's, there's a small loss. You, there's so many, sometimes there's so many different options in life that we have to say no to something we would love to do. Yeah. And to, to choose another path instead means we lose the path that we didn't go down. Mm-hmm. And room for that is important as well. Mm-hmm. And if I'm learning to make room for that, what would you advise me to practice or to watch for so I can get better at sitting with that? I mean, I think it's, it's really a matter. I, I think the first step is to acknowledge that that's what's happening, to just make room for all of those feelings and to acknowledge that they're there mm-hmm. and, and to really to tell yourself it's okay to feel that way. It's, it's, it's a bummer. It's, it's can be a little sad or disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to be aware that that's what you feel and to make room for those feelings to mm-hmm. kind of carry those with you as you do your best to make decisions about what to say yes and what to say no to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A moment ago, you mentioned that it is important to also add this compassionate and this kind element to what we're feeling, right? Or to what we're, or the skill that we're practicing, whether that's saying no or asking for what we need. How will that look like if I'm experiencing potentially this sense of loss? How will we add this element of kindness? Well, it's really, I think, kindness toward yourself. Mm-hmm. self-compassion to actually to just say to yourself this is hard mm-hmm. <laughs> to be kind to yourself in the middle of that and to recognize that you're doing your best mm-hmm. to to make a hard decision so 
kindness isn't just toward others, it's kindness toward self. And sometimes the most compassionate thing we can do is say no to things or speak up to ourselves for ourselves or set boundaries or speak up about our own needs. As hard as it is, it is a form of self-compassion. So just to recap for people listening, if you experience that you have to make tough choices by saying no to the things you care about, um, Debbie, you're encouraging people to acknowledge that, make room for those feelings, acknowledge that you're making the best you can in that given moment, and see how you can have some kind response towards yourself, acknowledging that you are just trying hard and you're doing the best you can. Will that be fair? That's right. Yes, yeah. I think that's yeah. pretty fair. And, and one piece I would also, again, add to that, when in doubt, reconnect with your values. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself those questions, like what's really most important to me here in the big picture? What matters most to me? And I think that that is just a very helpful guide. Guide. Thank you for emphasizing that. I think makes a huge difference when no matter how big or small is the struggle we're dealing with that we're going through we can step back and watch what's really important here what really really matters so i think for everyone listening please make sure you go back to your values super important (laughs) debbie if i can ask a little bit more um i am looking right now at the journal that you published with diane and I'm wondering here for people listening to our interview, our conversation, and people who maybe at times play the small bite, discounting what's important to them, are struggling saying no, or they are having difficulties asking for what they need. How would you encourage them to use the journal? Yeah, I mean, I think we have a whole chapter on values that has several different exercises that you can do. We have some writing exercises and some values clarification exercises that I think can, again, can just kind of help point you in the direction of what really matters to you here. What are the qualities you want to embody in these kinds of hard conversations? So I would maybe start there as a tool to help. If you, as we're talking about about values, you're saying to yourself, I'm not really sure. I think that the book offers a chance to really do a little bit of work on soul searching about what are your values Mm -hmm. and how do I know when I'm on track with my values and how do I know when I've gotten a bit off track? Mm -hmm. So I would maybe start with that. And then we also have a chapter on willingness and courage and how we really work in the book. We help people work on how to hold those emotions and how to do things even when all that discomfort arises and the tendency might be to want to avoid it or to not do it. But when it's something that's going to enhance your life, you know, how can you take that step forward and have all those emotions, you know, have acceptance and Mm -hmm. openness toward all the emotions that show up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the act process, they all work together. And we, we talk about all of the, we write about all of the act processes and compassion So they come together, but to me, those are two things that can be very, very helpful when it comes to hard conversations. So if people grab the journal and start with the values chapter, that will be a great starting point. And then looking at the other chapters to practice willingness and courage to have all these emotions and all the emotional noise that we go through. Yes. 
Lovely, lovely. Now we're running out of time, but if it's okay, I have I have three specific questions and this is something new I'm trying to do. So I hope it's okay to do it with you for the first time. Can I just note that I'm feeling a little nervous because I don't know what you're going to ask me. So I'm going to have courage right here and now. That's lovely. Let's just notice that. Let's make room for that. And um, so I'm going to ask one question. And what I ask you is to give me your response within 60 seconds. And then I go to the next one. Yes. Here's the first one. How will you define courage? I define it as doing something that scares you, taking an action when you're not so sure about it or when it's hard or scary in some way and, and doing the thing that you're scared of. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Here is my next question. How would you explain willingness? I think that willingness is about being willing to hold all of your internal experiences. So it's being willing to have your thoughts, your emotions, all of your sensations, and to be open and accepting of everything that shows up inside of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my last question in this format is, how would you explain workability within acceptance and commitment skills? Oh, that's a good one. I think workability is about doing what's most effective in a given situation, you know, mm-hmm. doing what works doing what's effective, being flexible enough to look at the situation at hand and, you know, to do the thing that's going to be the most helpful for that situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me step back a little bit. How was for you to answer these 60 seconds questions? (laughs) It's a little bit hard because I think these are very complex, um, but it was a good, it's a good challenge because I think to be able to really distill it down to the you know, the very brief sentence, I think is a, is a, um, it's a good thought experiment. Yeah. Well, thank you for jumping in there with me. And uh, now here's my final question. It's a super cool question, I think. And <laughs> um, if you were to have a cup of coffee or tea with any person you want today, who will that person be and why? Oh, wow. That is a great question who would I want to have a cup of coffee or tea with in the whole world? In the whole world. And it can be a person that is alive or a person that has passed away. Okay, this is, I'm going to answer in a way that's very specific to right now. So I've been, the Olympics are on. Mm -hmm. And Simone Biles is, you know, just this week that we're recording this, she's been going through a struggle with her, with the Olympics and has, alluded that there's some struggle she's going through. I am so curious and I just come from a place of deep admiration for her Mm -hmm. and I would want to know more, but also just be there to support her because I think she is so amazing and brave and I just appreciate her so much. So I'm not sure if that would always be my answer, but this particular Mm -hmm. week, I just, I, my heart goes out to her and I'm very, Mm -hmm. I would just love to talk to her about what she's going through. So yeah. Yeah, I can see that it will be beautiful just to sit there 
with her and hear what she's going through and show up to her. Show up to her, to be there, to support her. I would love to be able to support. I don't even know her personally at all, but I would just love to be there to support her. Well, I'm going to be crossing fingers. Perhaps that conversation happens someday. We don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Right? We never know. We never know. We never know. Um, Debbie, thank you so much for chatting with me and making the time to share all your insights and wisdom on how to have tough conversations. Thank you, Dr. Z. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website, playingitsafe.zone. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing it safe actions. See you soon!